0: You're listening to KVCR News. I'm Jessica Greenwell. On Fridays, we speak with former Press Enterprise columnist and longtime KVCR News contributor Cassie McDuff about some of the big stories around the Inland Empire. Good morning, Cassie.
1: Good morning, Jessica.
0: So the legal bills for the Temecula Valley Unified School District have gone up 377 percent since the school board brought in a new law firm to represent the district.
1: Right. For example, in 2022, the district spent just $17,000 on legal advice for the board. This year so far, through the end of October, it has spent $81,000 on legal advice. So what happened was a new Christian conservative majority was elected to the board last year. The three new members voted to hire a special counsel because they said they didn't trust the old law firm's advice. So one of the two dissenting board members, Allison Barkley, said the school board rarely had to consult legal counsel in past years, but since the new board majority took over, board members on both sides of these controversial issues have sought legal advice. One of the majority, Jen Wersma, said the legal advice is necessary to challenge the status quo and thwart attacks on developing new policies for what she called accountability. One of those new policies, banning critical race theory, is already the subject of a lawsuit against the district. Now, that one's not going to cost the district any money. A conservative law firm out of Marietta, Advocates for Faith and Freedom, is defending the district pro bono, free of charge, in that case. But Barclay said the board's time and the district's money might be better spent improving test scores, combating absenteeism and maintaining school facilities rather than on legal battles.
0: So do we have any idea about the cost incurred by Chino Valley Unified in the suit brought by Attorney General Rob Bonta regarding the parental notification for transgender students?
1: Right. That district could also be facing big legal bills defending that uh, lawsuit by the attorney general. But in that case, a different law firm has come forward to defend Chino Valley free of charge. The Liberty Justice Center has already taken a conservative cause all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court in a challenge of labor unions right to collect union dues from public employees. And it won that case.
0: So do you think this law firm intends to take this case to the Supreme Court as well?
1: I wouldn't be at all surprised because now three other California school districts have adopted similar parental notification policies. Chino Valley, I believe, was first. And the Liberty Justice Center could well view Chino Valley as a test case.
0: Well, a lot of questions still remain, and I'm sure many more to come. We'll continue following this for sure. That's for sure. And the escape of a felony suspect from Riverside County Sheriff's custody this week has added to the problems for the troubled sheriff's department. What happened?
1: Right. Well, the suspect, whose name was not released, was under arrest on suspicion of driving a stolen vehicle, hit and run causing injury, grand theft, and evading police. He was taken to a medical center in Moreno Valley and somehow escaped from deputies there. The sheriff's department wouldn't release any information about how he got away or even what precautions are taken to prevent people who are under arrest from getting away while they're at a hospital being examined or treated. The man was at large for three hours on Sunday night before deputies recaptured him. This is another embarrassment for a law enforcement agency that's already under scrutiny for a sharp increase in jail deaths Remember, earlier this year, deputies lost 60 pounds of methamphetamine in a drug decoy operation gone wrong. Also, a couple of deputies have been arrested, one for getting caught with 100 pounds of fentanyl pills, another for allegedly coercing women he was monitoring uh, into having sex with him. And while all this is going on, the Southern California News Group published a scathing editorial taking the Claremont Institute to task for honoring Sheriff Chad Bianco while his department has made so many blunders lately. So
0: do we know what's happening with the calls for civilian oversight?
1: Well, local leaders, as we talked about last week, have called for some kind of oversight panel, as has the ACLU and a number of other social justice groups. The press enterprise ran a piece this week exploring what it would take to rein in the sheriff. It pointed out that the county supervisors can't fire the sheriff or remove him because he's independently elected by the voters of Riverside County. But the Board of Supervisors does control about 41% of the sheriff's department budget. So they do have some influence. However, the deputies union opposes oversight by an outside panel. Union President Bill Young said oversight must rest with an individual who is accountable to the electorate, in other words, the sheriff. Bianco was reelected in 2022 with 61% of the vote. And because of a fluke in election law, he's not up for reelection again until 2028. So if the voters want to have a say, it would have to be in the form of a recall at this point.
0: So where do you think that leaves us in the meantime?
1: Well, it's up to the board um, if they want to try to do something. Back in 2020, County Supervisor V. Manuel Perez proposed a review of sheriff's procedures but he couldn't get the support of fellow supervisors. And it doesn't sound like they would support an oversight panel right now. Board Chairman Kevin Jeffries said the criticism of Bianco has become partisan, so it's hard for him to take it seriously. And Supervisor Karen Spiegel said the group's calling for oversight should meet with Bianco.
0: A lot of division here as well. I guess we'll see what the Board of Supervisors decides. And lastly today, the Mission Inn Foundation, which offers tours of the historic Riverside Hotel, is suing the Mission Inn Corporation
1: to try to stop its eviction from the property. Right. The Foundation and its Mission Inn Museum have been located in the historic Mission Inn Hotel and Spa since 1992. But they've been there as a subtenant of the city of Riverside's Redevelopment Corporation, which actually held that 30-year lease. The state of California some years ago dissolved all redevelopment agencies. So that wasn't a problem for the Mission Inn Foundation until the lease expired, of course, at the end of last year. When the city asked the state's permission to extend the lease with the Mission Inn Corporation, which owns the hotel and spa, the state said no. So the city served the foundation with an eviction notice. The foundation tried to work directly with the corporation. In fact, it sent a check and a letter to extend the lease separately from the city. The corporation returned the check and now, as you said, is seeking to evict the foundation and the museum with their own lawsuit. So the most recent development, the foundation has now filed a lawsuit against the corporation under the legal theory that the foundation, not the city, was the real beneficiary of the lease and therefore should have the same right to extend the lease for 10 years, as the city did with the lessee in the original lease. The foundation is asking the court to combine its lawsuit against the corporation with the corporation's eviction lawsuit against the foundation and treat it as one case. If that happens, the museum and the foundation could stay in the building until the case is resolved.
0: Didn't the corporation offer the foundation and museum the opportunity to stay temporarily?
1: Yes, but the foundation says the maximum amount of time that they were offered was five years, and that's just not long enough to plan for the future of the foundation. The corporation has said that tours of the historic property will continue, and the docents who've been under the foundation all these years will be welcome, even if the foundation and the museum eventually go away. So it sounds like the future is going to be up in the air for a while. A hearing in this case is not scheduled until April 29th. So seemingly that gives the foundation a reprieve at least until then.
0: Yeah, it seemed like most people weren't aware that this was happening. And when the news broke, there was a lot of concern about what the future of the Mission in run would be.
1: Right. The Mission in run has historically benefited the foundation. So if the foundation goes away, what would happen to the run? The Mission in Corporation said that they will continue the run no matter what.
0: Well, a lot of questions still remain here as well. And we'll have to check back in when we have some more answers.
1: Yeah, an ongoing saga, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: Well, thanks so much, Cassie, for all of your reporting. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Jessica. Longtime journalist Cassie McDuff helps us out regularly on our Friday morning news wrap, and these reports are posted at kvcrnews.org. This report is made possible with the support of the Southern California News Group, publisher of the press enterprise San Bernardino Sun, Inland Valley Daily Bulletin, and other Southern California newspapers. I'm Jessica Greenwell, KVCR News.